You're listening to the Kingdom Culture Church podcast. To connect with us, hop on social media or go to kingdomculturechurch.com.au. Hey, 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 come on, let's give it up for Jesus tonight. Who's got one more service in them? I've got one more service in me tonight. And after that, I'm going to Noosa. Not really. Going home to recover for 24 hours. So good. You know, I missed you this morning. Had a great time in another church with friends, but I just want to say you guys are in my heart, and I mean that. Just feel like, you know, I love building new friendships, but I want to thank you, Kingdom Culture Church, Pastor Robin, Heather, and the whole team, for your hunger, your thirst, your appetite for the things of the Spirit. Because I preach in a lot of churches. But every now and then you go to a church where literally it's just drawn out of you. And so why don't we just one more time lift our hands and open up our hearts to the Lord. Why don't you begin to speak in tongues right now all across this room. And Lord, right now for those who've never spoken in tongues, let them be baptised in the power and person of the Holy Spirit right now. Come on, let's stir up the gift of faith. Let's build ourselves up in the Holy Ghost right now. Isitikia takarabaya sadakia takaraba. Okuyara karabaya sadakia takarabaya radaraba. Isitikia takarabaya sadakia takaraba. Isitikia takaraba. Isitikia takarabaya sadakia. Father, tonight we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We ask you to come and reveal your heart to us. Show us what you're saying, what you're doing. Give us an ear to hear what your spirit is wanting to say to your church. Father, you've said many important, significant things over this weekend. Lord, we're going to store them up in our hearts. We're going to meditate upon them, oh God, in the morning hours, in the night hours, as we talk in conversation with each other and with those that we're going to meet this week, oh God, and lead them to you. But Lord, I pray right now in this moment, would you speak again? You've done it in sessions before. You've done it this morning. Now do it again. God, don't let us ever become overly familiar just because conference is done and now it's just normal church. Oh God, let there be a kingdom hunger, a kingdom appetite every time we gather together. And I just ask, oh God, to seal your spirit on all that has happened this weekend and all that has happened is happening right now. Come, Lord Jesus, and move amongst us. Send your ministering angels in all four corners of this property and room. Holy Spirit, manifest your presence and the power of the kingdom through your word. Thank you, Lord, that sick bodies will be healed. Lives will be changed and Jesus will be glorified. If you believe it, come on one more time. Let's give Jesus a round of applause. I think you can do better than that. Awesome. 
All right, grab a seat. Turning your Bibles with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm going to read through from verse 12 to 24. <clears throat> I want to thank you for your love, your hospitality, and just the way that you honor people. I felt so honored. Kai and I have had a great time. And uh, yeah, we, we're so excited about um, all that God is going to be doing from this point on. Excited, we'll be praying for your uh, album launch. I just pray that uh, you would have over a thousand people and that you'd fill that thing up. And we're so excited. Pastor Fred's coming down to set our youth ministry on fire. And, uh, and that's going to be great. And then he's uh, going to share a couple of times in our services on Sunday. And I'm just pr- praying and believing for an impartation of the Spirit of God through Kingdom Culture Church. And whenever one of your team gets sent out to go and minister or do something, you know what, they, they carry your heart with them. So let's be praying for them and supporting them because when you go out, you become a target. And uh, let's lift up all of our leaders in prayer. And once again, just Pastor Rob and Heather, thank you so much for making room for uh, Kai and I to be here this weekend. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. We ask you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who labor among you. And are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, admonish the idle, encourage the faint hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all, see that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I want everyone to just really tune in right now to these next two verses. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. What an amazing passage of scripture. We might as well just pack up and go and have pizza right now. I mean, if that's all we came for tonight, I reckon we've got enough. Because if you really would live by that and embrace that, it would change your life. I want to speak to you tonight, the Holy Spirit was very clear to me this afternoon, I want to speak to you tonight on the subject, fire extinguisher. Fire extinguisher. It was uh, two years ago, at about 1am in the morning, that I was awoken to a sizzling noise outside our house, true story. And, and my wife was just snoring her way through. But I'm quite sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And so I, I, I was awoken to a sizzling noise. And I thought, what on earth is that? Is that the Holy Ghost grill calling my name? What on earth is going on? And so I looked out the window and no word of a lie, the power lines were on fire over the other side of the street. 
Now, for the average punter, that would cause you alarm. For me, I'm like, God's about to speak. This is my burning bush moment. This is like Moses 2.0. And I'm about to hear the voice of God like I've never heard it before. And so the first thing I didn't do was call the fire department. The first thing I did is grab my Bible and ran straight out the door. And I'm there and I'm getting close to that sizzling power line. It's on fire. The whole power pole's starting to go up. Two story. And I'm leaning in, leaning in, said, yes, Lord, speak like Samuel for your servant hears. I'm here. I'm ready to deliver whatever I need to deliver. You're calling me. This is an Exodus 3 moment. And I sat there waiting and nothing happened except a sizzling noise in the power lines. Eventually, I came to my right senses and decided, hey, this may not be my burning bush moment, but I'm going to call the fire department because I don't want my house to burn down. And so I called the fire department. They took about 10 minutes. They weren't in a hurry. Meanwhile, you know, trees are going up. The, street ne- the, the house next door is about to go up. And meanwhile, my wife's still storing right through the whole experience. But the while I was waiting there, the whole time, I began to look at this flame, this fire. And I was the only one awake watching what was happening. Everyone else in the neighborhood was completely asleep. Everyone else was napping. Everyone else was asleep. And I'm there in that moment. And I did feel like the Holy Spirit did speak to me because I realized the same thing can happen in our lives as believers. The fire of the Holy Spirit is burning, but we can be asleep. When I was itinerant, full-time, traveling 47 weekends a year, I would go into different church uh, conferences and services. On an average weekend, I would preach anywhere from six to eight times a weekend. One year, I preached 353 times. And, yeah, a, a migraine, that's what it was. And, 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 but what a privilege, what a pleasure, and I never... I never take for granted the opportunity to open the Word of God for people. The Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. That's why every preacher needs a good pair of shoes. That's how I justify expensive shoe purchases to my wife. True story. If you're going to preach, get some good kicks, man. It's biblical. It's theological. Then get a good jacket because every preacher needs a mantle. So you, you, need, you need a coat. You need a jacket, man. You've got to invest, right? And so I would go into um, churches and conferences. And to be honest with you, because I've been raising this thing from day dawn, and then you just hang around church life for a while, you can pick up in just a few moments the spiritual tone of the atmosphere. You can work out whether there's a receptivity, whether there's a hunger, whether there's an appetite, or whether the fire's burning and people are actually asleep. And so whilst the Holy Spirit is sovereign God, He permits us to restrict or release His manifest presence based upon our hunger, based upon our appetite for the things of God. And Paul, in his letter to the church in Thessalonica, he's addressing attitudes toward the Holy Spirit. He's addressing the appetite, the posture, the tone, the hunger, the atmosphere of the church toward the things of God. And he says in verse whatever it is, he says, don't quench the spirit. 
Now, in the Greek, that word quench means extinguish, snuff out, put an end to. It literally means do not put out the Spirit's fire. Don't do anything that would put out the Spirit's fire. In other words, don't be a fire extinguisher. You know, in Leviticus chapter 6, five times, it says the fire on the altar must never go out. The fire on the altar must never go out. In the Old Testament, that fire represent the flame of God. It represent the Spirit of God, the presence of God. And even back in the day, practically, the fire on the altar must never go out. Can I say, Kingdom Culture Church, the fire on the altar of your heart, the fire on the altar of this church must never go out. God, He supplies the fire, but our response keeps it burning. You see, your fire is your responsibility. My fire is my responsibility. And what we often do is we live vicariously through somebody else's fire. We live vicariously through somebody else's revelation. We let the pastors do the hard Bible study and sacrifice in prayer. And we sort of live vicariously through them. And as long as they're on fire, everything's okay. But, oh, the, the, you know, the church isn't just feeding me like it used to. The worship isn't as pumped or isn't as you know, high energy and passionate like it was. But hang on a sec. We haven't come to be entertained. We've actually come to be a part of gathering together with God's people and collectively Let this house be an upper room where tongues of fire appear and rest on each one of our heads. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And as those tongues of fire appeared and rested on each one of them, they were all filled. Not just the pastors, not just the leaders, not just the anointed intercessors. No, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. How do we put out the Spirit's fire? Are you like me? You're curious, you read passages of Scripture, and sometimes it gives us instructions and commands, don't quench the Spirit, but it doesn't tell you how to to do that or to not do that. It gives us one little insight, and we'll talk about that in a moment, but there are multiple ways throughout the whole canon of Scripture that you can put out the Spirit's fire. How do we, now that we've come to the end of this massive weekend, in this season, everything's shifting, everything's changing, we're like a catapult, a cannonball, we're being propelled out and shot out into the rest of this year, into the purpose of God for our lives and for the church. How do we make sure we don't quench the Holy Spirit? Well, we put out the Spirit's fire when firstly we replace the spontaneity of the Spirit with the structure of man. Is anyone awake tonight? When you and I stop being spontaneous to the things of the Spirit and we start to control everything in our life, you start to quench the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, 39 to 40, it says, earnestly desire to prophesy. That is not just given to prophetic people or leaders, that's to every believer. You know, the number one gift that every believer should be growing in is prophecy. 
So it's important that we take the gift seriously. It's important that we grow in our understanding and the mechanics of it because prophecy, tongues, is beautiful. We heard in the panel from Pastor Fred on the weekend about all things, you know, Paul exhorting us to, he wishes that all of us would speak in tongues, implying that some don't, but that you should want to and it's available to you. But then he goes on and says, you know what, as great as tongues is, prophecy is actually greater. I'm, I'm trying to lead a culture in our church. In fact, our core values, we call it kingdom culture. And, and so we preach the message of the kingdom, the, the culture of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. We're trying to create a culture where every single believer in our church knows how to prophesy where we have prophetic equipping and masterclasses and seminars where we want people in the car park to receive a prophecy before they get into the building. Where people are in cafes and people are at high school. We have children that are being trained how to go up to adults and prophesy. Why? Because prophecy is one of the gifts that awakens and activates and exhorts the church in the most powerful and effective way. And so Paul says to the Corinthians, and I believe God's saying to us, earnestly desire to prophesy. And do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. Now what a lot of leaders and a lot of churches do, they ignore the first part and they go straight to the second part. All things should be done decently and in order. And they put their interpretation as to what that means. But the same Holy Spirit that inspired the first part of the verse is the same Holy Spirit that inspires how things should look decently and in order. And it takes maturity and wisdom in the things of the Spirit, not in how church programs run, but in the things of the Spirit to have a discerning heart to know how things should be done decently and in order. Often what we interpret as decently and in order is actually fear that manifests in control. And so because we're afraid of what we're ignorant of, because we haven't been equipped in it, we haven't been taught about it, and we haven't seen a mature expression and demonstration of it, we seek to control it. Except you need to understand something, 2 Timothy 1.7. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and sound mind. So if you are operating out of a place of fear, out of a place of a spirit of fear, you are not operating out of the overflow of the fullness of the Spirit of God. You've bought into a lie of the enemy, and the devil is a liar, and all he wants to do is steal, kill, and destroy the fullness and abundance of life that Jesus has come to give us and you have got to resist as a church and fight this thing that wants to control everything so that it's all sanitized and curated as we heard Jesse talk about and decently and in order whilst at the same time recognizing that structure is also not something that is against or anti-Holy Spirit. But this is where maturity comes in. God's calling us higher. If you've ever hung around a campfire, you know, at the youth camp when you're all singing Kumbaya, but really it's just a good excuse to hold hands with the pretty girl next to you. It worked for me. And so, 
This is a holy moment. Let's hold hands. And so around the campfire at youth camp, you find out something in the science class, what makes fire burn. We understand combustible material, heat source, etc., etc. But it's actually the space between the wood. If there is no space and all the logs are all on top of each other, it suffocates the fire. When we pack so much into our schedules that there's no space for the fire of the Holy Spirit, we suffocate the fire. When we pack so much into our services and our leadership events that there's no space for the fire, we suffocate the Holy Spirit. We become fire extinguishers. The Holy Spirit wants your life back. He wants His church back. He wants the run sheet back. How do we put out the Spirit's fire? We put out the Spirit's fire, secondly, when we minimize the supernatural manifestation of the Spirit. When everything has to be brought down to the natural, when everything has to be brought down to what we can compute. You know, I was preaching this morning and there was a federal um, member of parliament in the church and he, he was an assistant federal minister for youth and employment services and and they brought him into the room at the end of the service and we're praying for him and just in, trying to encourage him. Can I encourage you pray for your politicians and leaders that represent us? Because there's a lot of believers, you know, in federal parliament that, that are doing their best and love Jesus. And he was telling us how he came from a conservative church into this church. And he said, you know, today he was honest. He said, you took me out of my comfort zone. And he said, and my wife has just taken off in the things of the Spirit. I'm not completely there yet. I said, you'll get there. And, and so we pray for him and just pray for the Holy Spirit to come and minister into his life. But he said, you know, he felt like, you know, as I was hearing him talk, it's like he was becoming aware that the kingdom and the supernatural was not just on a cerebral, natural level to help make us feel comfortable in our comfort zone, but actually the Holy Spirit is real, He's alive, He's powerful, He transforms people's lives. And one of the ways that we can maximize the supernatural manifestation of the Spirit is don't despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast what is good. Meaning there could be some things that come through that are not good. And when you're learning to grow in prophecy, sometimes there's a mixture. I don't have time to go into this completely, but there are multiple levels of prophetic grace or anointing. The first level of prophetic grace and anointing, you've just entered into the prophetic masterclass, is prophetic atmospheres. Where you may not be inclined to prophesy, you may not have moved in prophecy before, but in a prophetic atmosphere, it could be a worship experience, could be a conference, or it could be in the metron of a prophetic person, you are inspired by the Spirit to open up your mouth and prophesy. You say, where's that in the Bible? King Saul. He gets anointed to be the next king, turns away, God gives him a new heart, he gets into the company of the prophets, he's not a prophet, and yet he begins to prophesy to the point that they say, is Saul also among the prophets? 
there are prophetic atmospheres that come in different times in a service. When you get around prophetic people, the prophetic in you starts to be awakened. You say, well, I'm not prophetic. But if you're a Christian, you've got the Spirit of God in you and the Holy Spirit in you is prophetic. And so you can touch the prophetic in a prophetic atmosphere. Then you've got the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy doesn't mean that you're a prophet, by the way. The gift of prophecy is a supernatural ability given to hear and receive what God is saying, doing, and intending, and being able to reveal that. But in the gift of prophecy, there's, there's mixture. There's a bit of your thoughts. There's a bit of your, uh, uh, God's thoughts. And this is what probably Paul is talking about. Not just prophetic atmospheres, not just prophetic gift, but within the prophetic gift, understand that sometimes, because God uses your personality and speaks through your life, that what will come through will sometimes be a mixture. You've got to discern and test so that you hold fast what is good. <clears throat> Next, you have prophetic ministry, which is more proven prophetic ministry. And last, you have the office of the prophet, which is more of a corporate grace and gift. Like some believers in the church, the Thessalonians were putting down prophecy because the gift was being abused. Now, sometimes my ignorance of how to use my MacBook leads me to abuse it. Has anybody else in the room ever had the experience where you're trying to do something with your tech devices and it won't do what you want it to do? You have more of the fruits of the Spirit than me. I'm not as patient and kind and loving as you are. And so when my MacBook doesn't do what I want it to do, I want to abuse it. And so I pick it up and I want to piff that thing out the window and break Olympic discus records because I've had enough, all right? I'm still growing in the fruits of the Spirit. And so sometimes when we are ignorant of the gifts of the Spirit, particularly the prophetic it leads to two responses. One, we fear it and either distance ourselves or try to control it. Or we abuse it and we hurt people. The gifts of the Holy Spirit aren't the problem. Because what churches do, they go, oh, that prophetic nutcase came in and did so many stupid things and hurt people that prophetic must be terrible. No, the gift of prophecy isn't the problem. It was the immaturity in the people, the vessel, and their lack of understanding of the gift that was the problem. Let's not shove the gifts under the carpet or you know, isolate it to a small group, that weird, ooky, spooky group in the life of the church. Go and prophesy your heads off in the room, but don't you dare bring it into the corporate space. No, that's not the answer. The answer is not, mis is not non-use of the gifts. It's the proper use of the gifts. It's to equip the church in how to move in the gifts. It's to teach about it. It's to practice it. It's to model it. For too long, James Gold says, the church has been a non-profit organization. I'm so glad you laughed at that. Because, that's as good as it gets. Because, because of the abuse of the prophetic gifts. This is why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. 
ignorance produces fear. Ignorance produces abuse. So what is the solution to ignorance? My people suffer for a lack of knowledge. It's to be equipped. You may have been given a word about a gift this weekend, but it doesn't end there. It begins there. You now have to understand the mechanics of the gift. I spent time two years in my room with God and I praying and journaling and prophesying over myself and studying every single book I could on the prophetic and apostolic to understand the mechanics of the gift because the more that you understand the mechanics of something, the more you can administer it like a, like a, a, a warrior with a sling and stone to hit that giant. You can be razor sharp and do things with your gift when you understand how it works. Whatever gift you've got, you've got to work it. You've got to study it. You've got to develop it. And let's not minimize or put down the manifestation of the Spirit just because some immature people who God loves and we love are still on the journey of yet understanding the fullness of what that is. Is this helping anybody tonight? We quench the Holy Spirit when we tear people down rather than build people up. Ephesians 4, 29, 32 says this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. I've learned the quickest way to send the dove away is to point the finger at people and criticize them. And you may feel justified in your criticism because you were hurt or because of their humanity, or because of something that happened that disappointed you. It doesn't take a genius to point out people's faults. But it takes a person of faith to acknowledge the faults and yet still believe and honour and lift and build people up. That's not denying reality. That's not denying that there may be an important conversation called Matthew 18 where we need to sit down and work through the issue I'm amazed at how many believers uh, feel justified in their criticism of somebody else but will not practice Matthew 18 to sit down and talk through the issue in a calm, honouring, patient way to arrive at a conclusion that is mutually beneficial for both parties. That's called New Testament church. Australians are some of the most passive-aggressive believers on the planet. In America, they'll just come up and punch you in the face. Seriously, we've got Americans on our staff, and they've got no issues just sitting down. Let's talk this through. Australians like duck and weave. I know I'm generalizing, but I think as a culture, we've got to work on this. What if this church, if you want to be kingdom culture church, you better live up to your name. Don't call yourself something you're not prepared to live up to. It's like God said to me in an encounter, I'm out in the spirit, Pastor Phil Hills led our church for 27 years, passed his mantle on to me, and I'm laying out there in the spirit, and God says, I want you to rename the church Numa. I knew it was God because I didn't like the name. Numa, Penuma, what on earth is that? I know what it is means spirit, wind, and breath. It's the same word for uh, spirit, wind, and breath, ruach in the Old Testament. 
It's powerful. I love it. Now, at the time, I was like, no one calls their church Numa. We went through a whole process and God drew it out of me and we named the church. But guess what? We better live up to it. If we're going to be a church of the wind, the spirit of the breath of heaven. Not a smelly wind, but a sweet, rushing wind. If we're actually going to... I'm, I'm having fun tonight. If we're actually going to just be, reflect the wind and the power of heaven, we better live up to it. If you're going to be kingdom culture, do you realize what your name is? Kingdom culture isn't just signs, wonders, miracles, manifestations. Kingdom culture is how we honor, respect, love, and treat each other. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. Let's honor each other. Let's love each other. And if there are issues, and there will be, because you and I are in the room, sit down and in grace say, hey, let's go and have a coffee. Let's go and suck latte and work this thing out. Let's go and have a conversation because if you don't, that offense, that bitterness will destroy the culture of the kingdom in this church. (laughs) James 3.9 says, with it, meaning our mouths, we bless our Lord and with it we curse people made in the likeness of God. These things should not be so. I read a study conducted on the power of words years ago and two um, study groups uh, were asked to go in and there were researchers and scientists to look at the power of our confession, the power of a declaration, the power of our words. And they had two um, similar rooms, same temperature, same lighting, and they put a table and a plant on that in a pot in that room. And in one room... They played like um, death metal music and just crazy, sort of crazy music. And the study group had to go in and curse the plant. An hour a day for like weeks. And so they go in and there's death metal music, there's all this dark music, and they curse the plant, shrivel up and die. The other room had classical music playing, (laughs) kingdom culture music playing. Life-giving music plant. And they had to go in and speak sweet nothings to that plant. Bless it in Jesus' name. Grow, you beautiful thing, you. And instead of cursing it, they would bless it. They would speak faith and life over it. Well, it's no coincidence what happened. Literally, within a few days, that plant that had cursing over it, given the same water, in the same soil, same temperature, same conditions, it shriveled up and died. And the plant that had life, because it was living, spoken over it, flourished, moved forward. Guess what? Your spirit is alive. When you speak life over people, they come to life. Encouragement, prophecies, oxygen to our souls. It builds people up. Why, why are people so hungry for the prophetic? Because everyone wants to hear from God. They, they wonder, wherever I go in the world, it's like, I want to get a word from, have you got a word from God for me? And it's like, you, well, we can pray, but you can hear from God for yourself. And when you, you become such an attractive place when there's a culture of encouragement versus a culture of critical spirit. 
The power of life and death is in the tongue. And I just want to exhort you, watch your words because God's watching. And the Bible says that He will hold us accountable for every careless word we speak. If you can't say it to their face, don't say it. I would rather someone in my world look at me, tell me exactly what they think and say, I'm about to punch you in the face. Good, good, I'm glad. At least I know what I'm dealing with. What you see should be what you get. Let's build that culture. We quench the Holy Spirit, I'm nearly there, when we neglect the spiritual gift that God's given to us. We quench the Holy Spirit when we neglect the anointing that God has given to us. 1 Timothy 4, 14 and 15. Don't neglect the gift you have which was given you by prophecy. When the council of elders laid their hands and you practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your process. You see, when the Holy Spirit takes up residence, there will be evidence. There'll be evidence, all right. You can't get filled with the creator of heavens and earth and just sort of like, what just happened? You can't. I love what Dave Hall says. It's like, you're going to feel like you've been hit by a Mack truck. Something is going to happen. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit are a revelation to the world of the manifest presence of God in your life. 2 Timothy 1.6 says, fan into flame, stir it up. The gift of God which is in you. I had a preacher say once, I've got no idea how to stir it up. Let me tell you where to begin. Speak in tongues. I tell you, there are times where I'm called upon to minister. And to be honest with you, anyone who's ever been asked to speak at anything, you don't always feel like ministering. And you get invited to these big things and get invited to Kingdom Culture Conferences and whether it's a thousand people in the room or a hundred or whatever it is, you want to share the heart of God with people. You want to bring something, but you don't always feel like it. People think, you know, thank you so much for the honor and the love. But it's like, I'm, I'm a very normal, real person. I have issues. I have challenges. Let My wife, if she was here, she'd let you know. Pray for me. Kai will let you know there's some real challenges in this thing. So I don't always feel like it. But this I know. One, the Lord always says to me, son, I'm with you. Go and do what I ask you to do, even if you don't feel like it. And secondly, I know if I start to stir up the gift of the Spirit through tongues, that one moment I may physically feel like this, but in the Spirit, I'm awakened, I'm quickened. And all of a sudden, revelation starts to come and fire and flames and fire-breathing dragons starts to come. And before you know it, we've just stepped into something. Some of us are waiting for a $100 burning bush encounter with God. You've got to be faithful with the 10-cent slither of revelation right there in front of you and step out in faith on it and 10 cents compounds to a dollar, to $10, to $50. And before you know it, there's a miracle, but it doesn't begin there. It begins with your faith to stir up the gift of God within you. 
It's like a, you know, a spoonful of sugar in latte. You can put the sugar in, but unless you stir up the sugar, the, the latte is not going to be sweet to your taste. The Bible says, taste and see that God is good. How are they going to taste and see if you don't stir up the gift of God that is within you, in your heart and in your life? What God has put in you, you got to stir up through you. Because an impression of the Spirit without an expression of the Spirit will leave a depression in your spirit. And there are lots of believers that are depressed because they're not expressing what God has impressed their hearts with. And my concern for us at this conference, in all of the 99.9999% of positive things, is that you would be here at this conference and God would impress something upon your heart, but you wouldn't express it in the coming weeks. And you wake up depressed one day, cynical, annoyed, offended. Well, the word hasn't come to pass yet. What what on earth are you talking about? It's been five minutes and the word hasn't come to pass in your life yet. I had people come to me years after say, you know what? I thought you were crazy. I thought you were smoking crack when you gave me that word. I had a guy prophesied over one time in Bendigo, regional Victoria, and I'm prophesying everything that was opposite to his reality. And he's getting upset at me. I'm like, that's the point of prophecy. It doesn't just confirm the present, it calls you into your future. And so, and he's like, you know, there is no way my marriage will be restored. There's no way I'm going to restore a million dollars in my business. He lost everything through his drug addiction. And one night on a Sunday night, three years after the word, this dude rolls in. I'm like, I recognize this guy. Comes up to me at the end of the service and he says, Pastor, I want to apologize. I dismissed your word, but I came here. I drove two hours to thank you. Every single word has come to pass. He said, my marriage got restored. I got off drugs. He said, I'm, an, I'm a major partner of business again. And I just signed a contract for over a million dollars. And I want to thank you for what you spoke over my life. Don't you dare dismiss the word that God gives you just because it doesn't come to pass in the way that you think. See, this is what we do. When we get a word, when we get God's promise, we try to manipulate the outcome. We try and work it through so that it can come to pass. No, what you've got to do is you've got to pray over it. You've got to test it. You've got to get on the track of it. And you've got to walk in obedience and faith with it. What I would do is what the Bible says, wage a good warfare over the prophecies previously made about you, which means there's going to be a battle for the word. So you've got to pray over that thing. You've got to declare that thing. You've got to prophesy that thing. You've got to get that thing into your spirit. And then it materializes. I am literally standing in, in the fulfillment of the prophecies spoken over my life. My ministry, my life, my family, the house I live in, what God has done in my life, none of it should have happened, but I stood in the center of the prophecies of the Word of God, and I put a stake in the ground, and I said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, and this Word shall come to pass in my life. And it has, and it will, and now God's prophesying crazy things over my life, and I don't know how that's going to happen. All I know is I'm going to stand in it. And I'm going to wage a good warfare over it. And I'm going to declare it. And I'm going to align with it. And I'm not going to neglect the gift that God has given to me. 
Finally, we quench the Holy Spirit when we treat the Spirit as an it, not as a person. You see, the Holy Spirit is not an abstract force. It's not just a a dynamic power. The Holy Spirit is a person. Has personality, has feeling. I love what John Bevere said, the Holy Spirit is the most ignored person in the Godhead. We preach Jesus and we should because the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus. We acknowledge our Father in prayer and to be honest, many believers don't have a revelation of the Father heart of God. And so it doesn't ever do any work in their identity because they relate to Jesus and maybe even relate to the Holy Spirit. But if you don't relate to the Father, you'll never know who you are as a created son or daughter of God. We need to understand God in all of his dimensions and personhood. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is the one, the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the King of this kingdom, who said, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I go away, or if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. So the Holy Spirit is our advantage. In a world where everyone wants to be competitive and gain an advantage, we have the ultimate advantage. It's the help of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our helper, our sanctifier, our counsellor. Can I exhort you, never treat with contempt what God calls sacred. That's the definition of the unforgivable sin, is to treat what God calls sacred with contempt and actually attribute to Satan what is the work of the Spirit. So I want to encourage you to wake up every morning for the rest of your life with good morning, Holy Spirit. I go to bed at night, literally, not every night, because I'm human too, and sometimes I'm tired, and it's just, you know, passing out. But I try to go to bed every night, wake up every morning with my Bible open. What do you want to say to me tonight before I sleep? If, if, if your spirit is still awake while your body is sleeping, why not ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you all night? Good evening, Holy Spirit. Good night, Holy Spirit. Speak to me. Refresh me. Renew me. I can't sustain this calling without your renewal and your strength and your power. Every night, God, what do you want to say? When I wake up, good morning, Holy Spirit. What do you want to say? Sometimes it's instead of good morning, Lord, it's good, Lord, it's morning. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? I'll be honest with you. Tomorrow morning, it'll be good, Lord, it's morning. But pretty much soon after that, it'll be good morning, Lord. What do you want to say today? Every day, conscious of his presence, talk to him throughout the day. I call it prayer pit stops. Have a pit stop with God. Everywhere I go, I want to, I want to talk to him. I want to be conscious of his presence. Study him. Create space for him and obey what he asks you to do. And you won't be a fire extinguisher. You'll be a fire starter. And I believe that what God has started this weekend in your heart is a whole nother platform for everything that God wants to do in your life in this coming year. Why don't you stand to your feet?
I know we're out of time, but I just want to invite you as the team comes and we're just going to take a moment. Let's just practice what we preach. Why don't you lift your hands and why don't you just say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit.